Welcome to Career Tools. Today's show, Audiovisual Equipment, Part 1. Yep, today we're going to talk about some simple but often violated techniques for using audiovisual equipment during presentations. Here we go. I've never heard you say this before, and it just floored me when I was preparing for this for this uh, particular show. Uh, when you said in the show notes here that I'm reading, and if you were a premium member, you'd have it. And, and presentations are just like management. <laughs> yeah, how is that? Yeah, because because everybody has to know how to do them, right? I mean, if you're a manager, at least if you're a manager, everybody knows how to do them. And and really, frankly, you have to be able to do them well if you want to be successful. But nobody's teaching this stuff. I mean, I've never talked, and I'd love to hear from some of our members, from somebody who, other than, other than Toastmasters, went to a training course that taught them how to give business presentations and included practice on the business presentation. Now, we do that a little bit at the communications conference, right? But the only ones I know are executives that hire executive speech, speaking coaches, and it's very, very expensive. And, and you know, it, it's, it's too bad. I, I, I think it's just because... Nobody's ever taken the time to put together a body of knowledge. Hint, hint, we are. But yeah, so everybody has to know how to do them, and nobody's getting taught the right way. It's, it's kind of it's Kafka-esque that, you know, it's, he invented both of them, and all we're left with is, you know, we've got this impending dread, right? Something yeah. bad is going to happen because we don't know what we're doing. Uh, and look, I love Toastmasters. I often said when we brainstorm how to coach somebody on presentation skills at the Effective Manager Conference, we, you know, we talk very highly of Toastmasters. It's one of the most professional organizations I've ever known uh, and, and helpful. And yet they don't do a great job of teaching slide, slide use, quite frankly, because they know, like we do, that it'd be nice to be able to teach people how to be on boards, you know, on corporate boards. But we have to build one step at a time and nobody's teaching the basics. So they, right. they just start with the basics. Right. So, so we're going to talk about not everything about presenting today, but we're going to talk about some of the, the basics around audiovisual tools. And, and those comprise slides and flip charts generally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, we've got, I, I could put together a hundred casts on this stuff and we will, we will. In fact, I'm sure it's something that we'll put together in a series, right? But the two things, the two bits of audiovisual that most managers have to deal with are slides and flip charts and, and slides even more than flip charts, which is why we, why we talk about them first. So you want me to, you want me to just walk through the agenda real quick? Yeah. Why don't we do that? Okay. Okay. Actually not agenda, but outline, right? Okay. So uh, we have three parts, one slides, two flip charts, and three, please gesture with your nearer hand, which is one of my personal pet peeves. Okay. On slides, we're going to talk about the fact that you really don't need to project them, but if you do project them, you rarely want to project them above you, believe it or not. A lot of people like that. It's not good. Yes, it's true what you've read. Don't stand in front of them. On the other hand, you can walk through them. We recommend you mute your projection when you can. That is to say, darken the screen. Uh, don't face your slides. Oh, my gosh. Don't face your slides. Don't face your slides. And you don't need a laser pointer, despite what you may have heard. Regarding flip charts, we recommend you pre prepare what you can in advance and write neatly. We recommend you only use them for small groups just because of size and vi visual issues. You actually use them in the center of the room. And we recommend that right-handers stand to the left of them when they write, which we'll explain. 
we do recommend that you face your, your flip charts at times, and it is okay to be messy with flip charts. If you are recording, go ahead and post your sheets rather than just flipping them, flipping them over and starting a new one. And that's it. And, and hopefully for those of you who believe that manager tools can be done in five minutes, that, that helps you a little bit because if you know what we meant by all that, you're done. If you're going to follow all, those, all that guidance, you're done. Good, and then we'll see you next week. So long, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, but, okay, and then we're going to talk about gesturing with your nearer hand. Yeah, exactly. Third That's of all that. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so let's, let's go to slides. And I'm glad we're going to cover this because generally my presentations, you know, I'd say it's a 45-minute presentation. Man, slides take a long time. When you do like 130 of them for a 45-minute presentation, it takes that. a long time. I totally knew you were going to say that. So I, I mean, what did we say? I've, I've forgotten now. It had happened a year or two ago. Somebody showed us a deck. For those of you who don't know, by the way, a deck is a stack of slides. Didn't somebody show us a deck with like 280 or just some ginormous amount of slides? And, and it was a real presentation? It wasn't 280. I, it, was, it was only 274. Oh, okay. Okay. Just, okay. just, just uh, to be just, a little accurate. Yeah. I mean, that, that's like a week, I think, if you do the math. Yeah, just crazy. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, look, look, the concept of slides is great. But unfortunately, too many of us think that the tactics of creating slides is the same thing as the strategy of creating a persuasive presentation. And that's wrong. So what happens is slides, and really the organization of those slides, the creation and organization of them, has become what most of us, most professionals think of when we think of preparing a presentation. And it's ineffective because slides don't persuade. Uh, even even Zen slides don't persuade, and I happen to like presentations in. But look, okay, fine. The, the whole purpose of communication is to persuade. A presentation is really persuasion on steroids. Um, but we have to use slides, even though they are themselves are not persuasive. Um, so therefore, we've come up with some general guidelines in terms of their use with the normal business meeting audience. And, and again, we'll have plenty more to say. We've touched on them briefly before, a few years ago. Um, we'll have plenty more to say about how to create them um, as part of a larger persuasive effort in, in CAST in the future. Good. Well, I'm surprised um, that, that for our first point, really, uh, I think will surprise a lot of folks, which is that you really don't need to project your slides up on the wall or up on the screen. I think... Most most folks fall into this kind of common fallacy that they gotta if they have slides they gotta project them right. Do you think it's well? I mean, there, there's some reasons why that is though. I, I, we ought to say although because I don't want all of a sudden everybody to start thinking they never have to project slides. But if oh, you have yeah, a, yeah, I actually didn't even think about that. But yeah, you're right. Right. But right. if you have a big if you have a big room, for example, you have 200 people in there, then it might be appropriate. Sometimes, you know, the room you're in doesn't allow it, right? I mean, it's literally a small meeting room, whatever, or, or literally you don't have a projector. But you're right. If the venue allows it, and, and the general bias is if it allows it and or we can do it, then somehow we should, right? Yeah, and that's, yeah. Not, that's not necessarily so. Matter of fact, sometimes that, that just gets in the way. Because now people are looking, instead of looking at you when you're talking, they're looking up the slides the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, it totally comes from those larger presentations, right? Um, it, it sometimes doesn't make sense for people to have copies of their own slides. Uh, projection is really the only way for folks to know where we're going. And, and by the way, this all goes to a, a – it's not a rant. It's not a soapbox thing. I'll just briefly say it's because we've lost the ability to write speeches. And as a former speechwriter, I, I bemoan that. But nevertheless, speeches used to be well-prepared. Uh, and they had a beginning, middle, and end, and they were persuasive by nature and so on. Um, and, and, and when speeches died out, PowerPoint came along and, and, um, 
and made everybody feel like, ooh, you know, now, now I've got a way to, I've got a crutch for my presentation. Um, that, that, that's a good point. Like the, the PowerPoint is the crutch where the presentation is no longer me speaking with yeah. my audience, communicating with my audience. The presentation are the slides and, and they just get me as kind of a, a side effect of that. Right? I just come yeah, around. That, I just come along for the ride. Yeah. And th- th- look, it's a natural progression. We could have, we could talk about the history of, of business presentations for a long time, but it used to be that, that, that uh, executives and managers wrote speeches. Uh, and that's why there are so many podiums in, in hotels everywhere that uh, are so rarely used or, oh, please, hopefully you're, not everybody's using podiums. But anyway, um, look, what happens is you get into a big venue and, and you feel like, you know, projection is the only thing you need, the only thing you can do, rightfully so, we understand, or, 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 or the meeting organizer says, yeah, you got to project your slides. But those big slides that we have projected are literally warring with us. And even if the slides aren't that big, uh, they war with us for our audience's attention. And because, again, slides are logical, they're not very powerful as persuasive devices. You know, many, many folks say, look, I've got to have the data, right? I, I, you've got to give me your slides. I've got to be able to walk through your logic. You've got to show me the figures. I, I'm sorry for the high Ds and Cs in the room. I, I, I know you think this is true and it's right, but that's not what gets points made. And frankly, those who want more data will never be satisfied with the amount of data you can give in, in the typical business presentation. And even a di- business presentation today that is focused on sharing data will not be long enough. And it will not be a lo- enough for at least 10%, if not 15 to 20% of the people in the room who really always want more data. The only way you're going to get some of the people who really are data-driven, uh, who mistakenly believe that they make their decisions completely logically. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying they're mistaken that logic is the only thing that drives their decisions. It's actually how they feel about the data. Uh, those people can only be served well in a pre-wire where you have a lot of time and you can get rid of a lot of the emotional arguments and focus specifically on the logical arguments to make them understand, I do have all the data, and then afterwards you can make the, the, the emotional argument. Right. Yeah, and the pre-wire is another one of those pieces of, of a presentation that most people don't think of. They don't think of the pre-wire as part of the presentation, but yeah, I, it is. Yeah, and I, and if folks, if you haven't listened to that cash, you need to go back to it because it's a very powerful technique. Yeah, I think I think one of the things we talk about in the pre-wire, right, is the whole slam dunk concept is that managers used to come to us and say, I want to be able to slam dunk my presentation like that guy. Can you teach me presentation skills? And I would say no. And they'd say, well, I mean, did I insult you or something? No, not at all. That's not how you make a slam dunk. You don't do it in the presentation. You do it by pre-wiring. And the guy said, oh, is that hard? One guy actually said, is that hard? I'm like, well, doing a pre-wire is a lot less hard than becoming a great presenter, let me tell you. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so so uh, our, our point here, though, is, is re- regardless of whether you – the default is to project the slides. And all we're saying here is that you think twice about your assumptions on projection. Projection gets in the way. The slides compete with you as the presenter. Yes, our audience right looks at the slides rather than at us. We right. sometimes we fall in the habit of actually reading the slides. No, Real actually, bad idea. Dude, dude, I have to interrupt you. No, it's not sometimes. Every time. Every, every time. business presentation I have seen that has had slide that I have viewed in videotapes or have watched every single one for the last 10 years, the person read part of one of their slides, if not most or all of their slides. Yeah, it, dri- it, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Like I can like I'm in the audience. I can read, dude. I can I can read your slide. You don't need to read it to me. <laughs> what's even what's even worse though is they not only read it. Sometimes they're actually talking to their slides. Yeah, they, they look at it and they start talking to the slides, and you begin to get the sense that everybody is a supplicant at the 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 temple of the slide, right? 
particularly if they're those really, really big ones, right? <laughs> it's like, woo. And somebody asks us to go back a couple of slides, which they can do themselves with their copy, but, but they're essentially taking control. Those people who want more data are also people who like to control things. And when they ask us to go back a couple, they're wanting to take control of our presentation to diminish us, to maximize the slides, to make it about them. And they probably don't even realize that. And the fact is, if everybody has a copy of our slides, we really don't need, although sometimes your organization requires it as such, but you really don't need to project your slides as often as you think you do, particularly if everybody has a copy. Yeah, exactly. Now, okay, so let's let's say you've gone past this and you're going to project them. Uh, one of yes. the mistakes folks make quite often is they project them above them, right? Like yeah. above their head. Yeah, and we don't mean on the ceiling, right? <laughs> no, we don't. We mean on the wall or on a projector, but above them. On the them. wall, way up high, way right. up high. And then right, they're right. standing so, beneath them. Yeah. And they exactly. look like this little small person below the screen. And all of a yeah. sudden now, again... The presentation is about the slides instead of the presenter. Yeah, and, and again, that goes back to it really subconsciously. I've seen presenters demote themselves uh, emotionally because they created the presentation. And the, the way they created the presentation was they typed up slides, right? And the moment the last slide is done, they're done. They don't rehearse. They don't think about what works and what doesn't work. The slides are it. And then they project the slides real large, and the slides become more it. They become the it. And then they turn around and start looking at the slides and they're facing the slides like everybody else. And they literally point and click and stand and everybody stares at the slides and it's, it's terrible. Look, the, the rule for slide projection is unless you're in a well-typed classroom, one of those ones where the professor is way down at the bottom and it's more of an amphitheater, there, there's, a, there's a heavy incline, if you will, uh, you know, steps going down to the place where the presenter stands, um, or if you're in a huge presentation hall on a stage with multiple projections of you and or your slides, I'm talking thousands of people, you want to avoid projecting the slides above you and keep them fairly close to your level. I mean, you know, not at ground level, so people in the second row can't see past the people in the first row, but, but again, not up 10, 15 feet um, so that you have to crane your neck if you stand real close to the slides. If you do that, if you make them, if you project them above you, they're inevitably going to be even bigger than they already would have been in order for people in the back row uh, you know, of a room of, of 50 or whatever to be able to see them well. And, and as you said, bigger slides make us seem smaller. In fact, I don't know of, of a slide projection situation that you would project it, that it, the slide would not be bigger than a person. I mean, most, most screens come down, they're 8 or 10 feet, right? And unless we're talking to 10-foot tall professionals yeah. uh, you know just yeah it makes us seem smaller yeah and, and they look a little bit orwellian kind of like remember that that um mac commercial like i think it was like around 1984 something yeah, like that nice that one, nice one. <laughs> yeah so yeah it's, it's it it almost makes it feel as if there's like some third party running the meeting being the slides yeah yeah, yeah and, and the bigger and higher your slides are the more the slides send a message of dominance which is, again, not about you, not about persuasion, and it diminishes us. And if you, need, if you have an individual in the room, now, the majority of business presentations are small. They're, they're 10 to 15. And if you have 10 to 15 in there, there's going to be somebody that challenges you. And if the power is in the slides, it's not in you. And you don't have the credibility you'll want to have in order to impact that one person. Yeah, look, look, I've watched, critiqued hundreds of, of presentations with what I would call big high 
right? And in fact, I write in the margin, big high, big high slides in the vertices. And pre- presenters much more often defer to their own slides, look up at them much more than when they were smaller or lower, and again, further degrade their own stature at the feet of a bunch of words on a page, and words do not, not motivate. And if, folks, if you're getting the sense that there's an underlying theme that we're not really stating formally, that you don't want to diminish yourself at the expense of your slides, you're right. You are the presentation. You are the presenter, not your slides. The slides are simply an outline of the logic and emotion that you're trying to use to convince people of your point of view. Good. Okay. Our next rule, which, which frankly kind of leads to the problem we just talked about, which is mm-hmm. the, the, the rule being don't stand in front of your slides. That makes sense. So yeah. unfortunately, right. the answer most people is, well, then I'll just move the slides up above me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That way. Yeah, we won't violate the rule. We can walk around anywhere we want. Although, of course, those same people then stand rooted behind their podium <laughs> right? Um, and grip the sides um, quite vigorously. Yeah, and, and look, the rule is you're not supposed to have slides projected onto your face, <laughs> which is what happens when you stand in the light of the projector. And, unless you have a completely flat two-dimensional body. And then in that that's case, right. just then, avoid then these rules so you don't have to worry right, about Then you're them. fine. You're totally fine. If, if, if that's you, right, um, we would like to meet you. And uh, these, these rules don't apply. Um, yeah, and, and what happened was we created another problem by solving the first problem. The rule, look, this rule is correct. No matter where your slides are projected, don't stand in the projection light. You won't be able to tell what's being projected onto your face. The lighting's going to be lousy. It will confuse and irritate your audience. And the way you follow this rule is simple. You stand, and the word there is stand, to the left or to the right of your projection. Right. And, and not, not way out, you know, in the hinterlands, right? We're talking about just outside of the projection beam. So you're next to your uh, slides. Yeah. In fact, you know what? When we do advanced presentation skills for someone, we actually recommend you do get way away from it at times. So in the beginning, we, we don't tell beginners or, or, or young professionals, young managers, or even maybe uh, junior executives, we tell them not to get too far from their slides. But if you've got the ability to move left and right in a room, then we recommend strongly that you move away from your slides at certain times, particularly when you're making a case or using an example or so on. So the audience turns to face you and you, you are less warring with those big slides that are standing next to you. But in general, Yes, for those of us, the, the vast majority of managers and professionals who want to uh, um, stand at the front of the room and the projection is going to the front of the room, then you stand just to the left or the right per your point. Yeah, not, right. not at hinterlands. Yeah, and, and depending on the room, some folks tell us that they feel a little cornered, right? They're, they're, they're actually, they're actually sit standing in the corner of the room. Um, yeah. And our response generally is like, if you feel like you're cornered, then you need to reevaluate the need for the projection itself right maybe yeah, you don't exactly. even need it that's that's a good um rule of thumb if you feel cornered then you probably don't need those projections and, and i'll tell you something i think a lot of people right now are questioning our very premise here and i'll tell you why because when we say think about turning off the the, the projection and and that was our first point and we get to here and they know they've been in, i know they've been in a room where they had to project down a conference table the gm or the president or the division director or whatever is sitting at the end of the conference table he or she has the uh projector in front of them it's projected down the table and onto a small screen you know, five by five or something like that, six by six at the end that's pulled down for slide projections in a meeting. And you end up having to stand in the corner of a meeting room and you're literally talking over the back of someone's head when you do it. 
And we tell you, yeah, if you have to do that and you feel like you're cornered and you don't want to be cornered because we're telling you stand outside the projection beam and our answer is turn off that projection, you're saying, oh my gosh, suddenly I realized something. They're wanting me to stand at the head of that table and know my presentation so well, I don't have a gigantic five by five projected cheat sheet that I can refer to as I go through it. And that's exactly what we're saying. And the better you know your presentation, just like the better you know your interviewing answers, or the better you know the answers to a test, the easier it is to handle curveballs and to be comfortable when things get off track. That's simply preparation. And the modern world of presentations today have, have gone sideways in the sense that it's all about the slides. And, and in fact, things like presentations in, many, many good recommendations regarding simplicity of slides and so on, are a way to change that. But in, and we agree with them. We like them. And yet they're essentially pointed in the wrong direction. They're suggesting that presenters can still use slides and be okay when, in fact, we ought to allow ourselves to be prepared and then have the slides be a backdrop to our level of preparation and persuasion. So let's go back to a little bit of the um, the physical layout, because I think there, there are some folks, what they do is because they feel pain in the corner and they don't want this this projector in front of them, right? So they move it. Some conferences allow you to project the beam from above you, right? There's something that comes out of the ceiling and projects on the on the on the wall. And so what happens is we just want to caution people here a little bit. What happens is it's not quite as obvious where that beam is. And what happens is you, you got to be really careful because you walk in front of the beam and because it's coming from above you, it hits you at the top of the head first. And you don't really know you've, you're in the beam until it hits your eyes. And at that point, it's a little late. And I've seen, I've seen presentations yeah. where people are just continually, the lights being hitting the top of their head. They don't know it. And it's just, it's very distracting. It's very, people will immediately look at the top of your head immediately look at the top of your head yeah. and and this also happens when you're projecting from a tabletop and you and you've got the slides up high and there's a pretty heavy incident angle of incidence there to the light going up on the screen and so if your solution is to project high don't assume that you can walk back and forth unless you do a rehearsal and you figure out where does that beam start hitting my head and you need to have somebody else in the room to tell you where it starts hitting your head and then suddenly you'll discover that a lot less of the room is available to you and that's not good but when you project from a tabletop another problem that people have is they get the slides up high and they think okay now i can wander around again they end up you have to worry about where your head is relative to the slides but there's something else that happens there and that is you get the keystone effect which is the the, the angle of the slides hitting the wall is not perpendicular and so the slides end up with canted sides and if you don't know how to use the keystone adjustment uh, that's what that adjustment means if you've never heard of that before, folks. The keystone adjustment on your projector, then you ought not to be doing that. If the slides are projected at a lot different height from the floor than where the projector is, up or down, then you're going to have some keystoning problems, and, and the keystoning adjusts that. The problem with that is if you've got a lot of angle, there's no amount of keystone that will adjust, and if your slides have keystone in them, it looks amateurish, so please be cautious about that, and you may need to come up with a different solution. And this is the point where, actually, those of you who were the AV guy or gal in high school, you actually have an advantage when it comes to management. So congratulations yeah. or presentation yeah. skills. Yeah. So we, we just spent a lot of time talking about you know keeping our head and body out of the, the projection beam. But now we're going to turn around and tell folks that it's okay to walk through them. <laughs> What's yeah. that all about? Yeah, look, um, if you stand still in a presentation and you're not behind a podium, people are going to focus on you. 
Okay. And I'm amazed at the number of people who pace back and forth their entire time. They're, they say they're showing energy. They're not showing energy. They're wandering around. I, I love Tom Peters for a lot of reasons, but, but he does this and he, he's showing, he, he is showing energy a little bit, but the vast majority of professionals I know not. They're just wandering back and forth and they're thinking while they're presenting, which I find a little bit, a little bit unnerving at times based on what they tell me they're thinking about. But look, you can't stand in front of your slides and you can't project them overwards and so over you. And so, or we don't recommend that. Right. And so then we're in a situation where, Oh my gosh, what do I do? I mean, there's this big gigantic beam of light and it takes away the front of the room for me. And the answer is you absolutely can walk through your slides to get from one side to the other. And, uh, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said when I have been, I mean, I can't even guess how many presentations I've made in my life. Tens of thousands, probably that's probably wrong, but but yeah, a few though. Yeah. Yeah. And and people say to me, I've always wondered how you solve the problem of not standing in front of your slides. And the answer is you don't stand in front of your slides, but, but the rule doesn't say you can't move through your slides. And if you stand to one side or the other, and then quickly move through your slide to the other side, people then immediately infer, aha, the rule was, I was mistaken. It's not that I can't ever be in the beam, right? It's that I can't stand and have the projection beam projected on my face. And so what you do is you stand to the left or right. And again, people come up to me and say, I can't believe it. I, I watch you and it's incredible how it actually adds to you and it adds to the slides and it adds to the slides being a backdrop to you that you stand to the left, you stand to the right, and you move quickly through the slides without standing in front of them. And they say, you know, you're never in, more, in front of them for more than a second or two, but again, you get to present to both sides of the room from both sides of the room. So walking through your projection beam briefly is totally, utterly fine. Right. And, you know, every time you walk from one side of the room to the other, you don't have to mute your slides. I make them dark but yeah that's absolutely that's a little bit overkill right yeah. and and, yeah. and on the other hand there are times when you should and can mute your slides yeah i, I call it muting just just to to remind people of that it's not i'm not using the word correctly we have mute in quotation marks in the in the in the show notes but but um it's like to be wanna, weird that's all yeah yeah but hey if it gets listeners and members and it changes careers and management. Why is that bad? And I do want, I want to go back one point to the, to the walking through your slides. Believe it or not, after everything we've said of ways of people avoiding standing in the beam and projecting them above and all this kind of stuff, in fact, walking through your slides sends a message that they are background. It's one thing you can do if you pr- pr- stand to the left or the right, because again, remember, great presentations are about the audience, and then you move through them, you're saying, I can move through them at will. I'm not going to stand and have them projected in front of me, because then my slides will make me look silly. But if I walk through them while presenting from the left or the right, I send a message that the slides are background. And it's a very nice additional emotional strengthening of the presenter as the persuader. And that's what people want. People want to be persuaded by people, not by slides. Good. So to your point, though, we do encourage when you're presenting to darken your screen much more liberally than most presenters do. We're not talking every time when you walk back and forth across, um, depending upon how mobile you are. And we'll talk about how you do this in, in a second. When you do this, you remind everybody, again, that you are presenting and they're not there to read slides. This relates to the walking through them, but rather they're there to be presented to. You can totally recapture a room that seems quiet or distracted in some way by muting your slides, that is to say to darken your screen, stand in the middle in the power position in the room, which is in our previous presentations cast, I think, 
and standing still and making a key point. And in fact, if you want to make a key point, say, let me make a key point here. As long as you don't do that 50 times in an hour-long presentation. Look, if you get a question, it's highly likely that the answer to that question is not on the screen or they would have read it and answered it themselves. So, mute your lamp, which is to say darken your screen, and bring the focus back to you. Questions often are a leap off of the slides, a step beyond the slides, or a step beyond your presentation, or on the periphery of your presentation. Mute the slides, darken your screen, answer the question, and have the additional expertise in the room come from you. If you go back and tell somebody, oh, you missed that point, it's on my slides, you're saying the power is in the slides. If you mute the slides, if you darken your screen, and then you answer the question with the point you made two slides ago, now you're the expert, right? If you have a role play to do in the front of the room, do it in front of the room and mute your screen and do it right in the middle of the front of the room. If you have a demonstration with a product, do it in the middle, in the front of the room and mute your slides. When someone else steps up to talk and they're not going to be using your slides, mute your slides, slides, darken the screen, have them do it in the center of the room. And again, when you have a key point that may not be supported precisely by the slides that's in your speech, in your presentation, but not in your slides, which is to say your outline, stand in the middle in the power position of the room, mute your slides and deliver it with your feet firmly on the floor. All of those are good moments to turn off the slides and make the presentation ours again. Good point. Yeah, and look, if you're going to do this, you, you have to get a remote control. You have to have one. They're easy, right? Just go to Amazon. There's many of them there, and you can, you can find it quite easily. Now, one, one thing is most of these, or many of these remotes, have very lousy laser pointers in them. Um, but I'll tell you that in our book, that's not a real big discriminator. Yeah, the reason why is because people get them bigger because they find the ads of the the features say a really strong laser, right? And so they get a bigger uh, a bigger thing which in fact is the laser opposite of what we'd suggest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And some actually don't have that darken the screen button on them. So you have to have one of those obviously if right. if the whole intent is to be able to, to to darken the screen and they need to be small. Right. So don't look at the laser and get a bigger one. Get something small that's, um, you know, you can put in the palm of your hand and people, frankly, don't even know you have it. Yeah. So you want it small enough so that people it can disappear. And then and it, after you get some size as small as you can, then you want the darkened screen button. And here's the thing about the size of your remote. You're only using it to change slides, right? Okay. So if you have the right number of slides, say one for every 10 minutes, then in an hour long presentation, you'll be using that thing in your hand six times. Six times to push a button on it. Six times. Unless you mistakenly use a lot of animation or you introduce bullets one at a time or you introduce words onto the page one at a time or even worse, you have typing noises while you introduce individual characters on the page one at a time that I actually saw a number of years ago in Orlando. Yeah, these are really bad ideas, by the way, folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you can't hear the sarcasm in my voice, I'm sorry. Yeah, um... Why would you want a remote seven or eight inches long distracting you and your audience, because they'll see your remote, for an hour? The bigger the remote, usually, the longer the range and the more powerful the laser, but the laser isn't going to be powerful enough always. The battery is going to get low. Uh, You don't really need it, as we'll talk about in a second. And regardless, it's all moot because we don't want the audience focusing on our slides or our equipment, but rather on us. 
smaller is better. And one more thing about smaller is better. I, I think we both have remotes that are about four inches long, I think, Mike. I think yours is a Kensington. Uh, mine's an Interlink Electronics one. Yeah. Um, we're, we're pretty comfortable with them. They needn't be pretty. Mine is actually kind of ugly, frankly. And, and the idea is we want them to dissolve in your palm or as much as they possibly can. If it's eight inches long, they probably won't dissolve in your palm. You want them to disappear. And a minor point, I we recently checked as I was writing the show, and I have to tell you that many of the dimensions of the of the remotes in on Amazon, and that may be not be where you shop, but it's where Mike and I shop often, many of the remotes on Amazon, the features, the specs, have incorrect measurements. They show the one that Mike and I have as being eight inches long. It's not. It's four inches long. And then, then I just mentioned one other thing for those of you who have to go to, to, to meetings or uh, travel to industry conferences or whatever. If you're presenting somewhere else, all too often, clients, vendors, third parties, conference organizers want you to send, them their sli- send you your slides well in advance. Sometimes they say it's because they're going on a CD. Sometimes they say you won't be able to use your own laptop. Well, let me just, a couple of things here. In my entire career presenting with laptops, I've never not been able to use my own laptop, period. And the moment you start using their laptop, you start having to use their remote because the, the, because the AV guy says, no, 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 we can't use your USB dongle remote in my laptop. You have to use my remote. And now you've got some gigantic thing that's chosen by an AV person that literally has a laser like ours that can burn your face off. And it's so big that your arm is going to hurt when you finish. And now you are prepared, you are rehearsed, not with your actual equipment. They don't need the slides to put them on their laptop. They're just making it easier for them, and they want to make sure the presenters are, in fact, done with their slides, and they want to make sure that you haven't forgotten them somewhere, and they want to review them to make sure that you're as good as they thought you were. So look, bring your own laptop. Make sure you have all your dongles every single time and have the presentation on a thumb drive in case for some reason you've forgotten something and you do have to use theirs because – you never know what might happen, but don't believe them when they say, leave your laptop at home. It's okay. Use ours. And then they say, we don't have a remote. So all you have to do is say next slide. Let me just tell you something. The presenter who says next slide loses every time. The pr- presenter has to walk over and push the button. As I saw recently in a presentation I had to review, you lose. I mean, you just, you lose immediately. The idea that you're on a rubber band attached to a podium that has your Laptop is mind-boggling. It absolutely then becomes about the slides. The slides are saying, ha, 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 I'm in charge and you're not. You have to come back every 10 minutes. Good. So let's talk about the, the single biggest mistake presenters make, right, in our experience at least, which is they face their slides. Yeah. How many times have you seen that? Yeah, a, a billion. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot. And, and look, the worst thing is, there's a worse error. It's not, it's not the biggest mistake. The, the worst error is reading your slides. But, of course, everybody who is reading a slide is, by definition, looking at them, but not everybody who's looking at them is reading. So, and, and of course, it really doesn't matter. When, you look at our, when we look at our slides, we're bowing to them. That's what we're doing. And actually, what we're saying is the slides are prepared, but I am not. Think about that for a minute. The slides are prepared. I am not. And everybody in the audience forgives you for it. But is that the way you want to be persuasive, to be asking for forgiveness every 10 minutes? Yeah. Um, yeah, we use them know. as they, they become our notes more than the presentation. They become our notes. That's where the, the problem starts. And, you know, it's one thing to look at your notes. It's another thing to be so unprepared that you have to look at your notes. And it's another thing to share your notes with everybody and then to tell them I'm not rehearsed. I don't have notes. And remember, Power, PowerPoint has notes on it. That has a notes field. And we recommend people, if you really want to be good as a presenter, you write a speech that from which you then infer 
your outline and then the outline goes up and you practice with the notes uh, sheets and you get good at your speech. So good, in fact, that you don't have to read your slides because you don't even think anymore about the slides because the slides are only an outline, but you're giving what amounts to a speech. So if, if you do know, no, so when you're referring to your quote unquote notes from the speech you've prepared, right, then the way to do that then is to have the laptop from which you're hooked up to the projector in front of you. So if you have to refer to them, you don't turn around over your shoulder and look at the presentation up on the, that's being projected. You look yeah. at the laptop that's sitting in front of you. And yeah, you look at the notes, your, what would amounts to your notes, which is your slides. Exactly. Rather than people in the audience think of as your presentation, right? It comes across. Yeah, you're right. It totally comes across very powerfully. And uh, if you were rehearsing and you do it, it really works. And that would mean, of course, you'd have to rehearse. And that would be great, too. Now, here's another one that's going to surprise folks a little bit is we're telling people, look, you don't need a laser pointer. And, and no. that might surprise even <laughs> some folks who've been to our conference, which although I, I didn't notice recently because I knew this this particular show was coming up. I think I can count the number of times you lo- used your the green laser of death that Rob Hoof gave us as a gift. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Rob. It's the best laser pointer ever. I think it has a NASA thing because if you shoot it up, it goes into space. Uh, oh, I, I, I think actually, I think actually they're illegal and you can only get them in Europe. You can't get them here in the U.S. because yeah, yeah. if you just mistakenly point it at a satellite, the satellite crashes to the earth. Yeah, it's, it's one it's of those bad. kind of things. It's pretty powerful. But I, but I counted and I lost track, not because there are so many. I counted the number of times you use your laser pointer at our last conference and it was less than five. Yeah. I think, it, I think, I think it was, I think it was three two times. Yeah, and two of them were on the agenda, which was posted on the sidewall, right? It wasn't at the slides themselves because I'm trying to present rather than letting my slides present. And every time you point your laser pointer at your slides, you're saying, let's all look at the slides together. And I I do. I love that laser pointer. And and again, people are making bad choices about remotes because of uh, because they think they need a laser. Uh, But frankly, bottom line, why are we spending so much time pointing to words on a screen when words have little persuasive value? And again, it just demotes us while while promoting those projected slide. And frankly, I've only just learned this because I've been focusing more on coaching some people that have presentation that, that need presentation help. Uh, and, and I honestly believe that this is one of those areas. And Mike, you, you disagree if you, if you like. I believe this is one of those areas that in the land of the blind, one-eyed man is king. It's a bit like interviewing. People don't know how to do it. You, if you're 10% better than everybody, you're going to rock. If you're a manager and you do the Trinity, you're going to look better than everybody else. You don't even have to be a great manager. You can simply be a very good one, and you will get promoted because of that. Same thing with presentations. Most people are so terrible at them. You learn four or five things. You do those things exceptionally well. It'll make a big difference. But I'm constantly trying to improve my skills, and I've discovered – that when I point at the slides, people look at the slides. And I don't want them looking at the slides. I want them looking at me. And if you're a shy, reserved person, we respect that. And you may think that you want them looking at your slides because you don't want them looking at you. But you will be less persuasive, not because you're shy, but because they're looking at your slides. You have to practice until you're comfortable with people looking at you. That is part of the job of most professionals today. It's happening younger and younger for people because of the flattening of organizations and the general uh, atomization of organizations. You're going to have to present more often. And just because you're 23 or 24 doesn't mean you can, you can throw something together and be cute and glib and be effective. The 23 or 24-year-old who takes her time and prepares something and has three or four slides in 30 minutes and really makes her point but gives a presentation and lets the slides support her, 
will absolutely knock the socks off of the leaders and managers of a large or large or even medium or even small organization. No doubt. Yeah. I, I remember, and this happened a few years ago, but I remember one particular manager who ultimately, a couple of years later, became one of my directors. And I decided I was going to hire her. And I didn't know her for, from Adam. I decided I, knew I was going to hire her from a presentation. She just one did an awesome right? presentation. And at that point, I made my mind up right then and there. It is so rare to see somebody rehearsed that I have found, and I'm completely in agreement with you, that the effort that goes into rehearsal and presenting and the mastery of a subject, even if the person only has one subject, I believe that person who's willing to work hard enough on a rehearsed presentation can be taught, will be able to be taught virtually anything regarding management if, in fact, I don't see any management skills in the presentation, which, of course, I don't. So, yeah, I completely, completely agree with you. Yeah. So, so for the laser pointer, just la- last point, if you have a laser pointer, you don't need one. If you have it, you're not going to use it that very, that often. So just put it by your laptop, leave it there. Don't carry it in your hand. Cause then once you have it in your hand, your tendency is to turn it on all the time and then right. pick it up when you need it. And again, the geeks and the, you geeks who are listening says, Oh no, that's okay. I've got my laser pointer in my, in my remote. It's probably a lame laser pointer and it's not worth using. Good. And don't overuse it because this point still applies even if you have a laser pointer in your teeny tiny remote control in your hand. All right, folks, that's it for part one, and we'll finish this one up next week. In the meantime, hope to see you on the discussion forums, www.managertools.com forward slash forums. See you there. So long.